We have been basing ourselves in the last few months in the book of 1 Corinthians, written by the Apostle Paul uh, to the church in Corinth. Really, in this book, he is addressing a number of kind of issues in the church. Um, We've been particularly looking at uh, 1 Corinthians 12 to 14, and, and and our heart and our desire in this series is really that we would see the person of the Holy Spirit just fall afresh on us and fill us again and invade us and we become a people that are empowered by the person of the Holy Spirit. And, and maybe for some of you here, if you're, if you're newer to faith, think, well, who is the Holy Spirit? Well, the Christian faith is based upon this uh, Godhead, who is God three in one, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This, and they are all equally God. And the Holy Spirit has now been poured out upon every man and woman, the Bible says. Jesus says, after he died, he says, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. And he now comes and he dwells within us. God, the Bible says we are a temple of the Holy Spirit. We're a temple of the Holy Spirit. If you've received Jesus into your life, you have the Holy Spirit in you, the person of God dwelling inside of you uh, to teach you, to remind you of his truth, to equip you, to empower you. And what we're praying and believing for through this series is that we'd be a people who are so filled with him that we would, that we would have a deeper love for God, that we would have a deeper love for one another, and we'd have a deeper love for this town. And we're going to extend the good news of Jesus Christ to every person that we come across in this town. And we've really been uh, basing over the last few months really in, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, talking particularly around spiritual gifts and how they operate in the church. Um, and over the last few weeks, we've been, we've been really basing ourselves and looking at this whole area of what does it mean to be a family? When the Bible says we belong together like a body, what does that mean? And how does that apply? How do we serve one another? And how do we honour one another? And how do we encourage one another? And how do we build each other up? Which is exactly what spiritual gifts are for for the building up of the church. So today, um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go right through 1 Corinthians 12 and and ask two questions. What does Paul actually say about spiritual gifts? And how can we activate them among us? What does Paul write here in 1 Corinthians 12 about spiritual gifts, about how they're to operate in the life of a church to bring life and encouragement to the church and to the people of God? Remember, the church is not a building, it's a people. And so as we use spiritual gifts, we are encouraging and building up one another. And then the second question is, how do we therefore activate them within the life of this family? But I really felt uh, this morning, just before we get into talk about spiritual gifts, I was, I, I, I was praying this morning before coming, and I really felt like God just said to me, it's great to talk about gifts, but don't obsess about the gifts. Obsess about the giver, Jesus Christ. It's very easy to get focused on, well, what's my role to play in the church? What gifts has God given to me? How do I function in the life of a church? Actually, first and foremost, we give ourselves to Jesus and we adore him and we lay ourselves down before him. So even as we talk about spiritual gifts this morning, I would much rather we went away and said, I want to be obsessed about the giver of gifts. But the one who, uh, Rona just reminded me, she said she had this picture of Jesus enthroned. He's the king, yet he comes down and he's walked among us. The king became a servant. He's the giver of gifts. He's the one that we are exalting and adoring and worshipping. We're not worshipping gifts, we're worshipping the giver. And my heart is that over and over and over again, we would give ourselves to loving God and laying ourselves down for Jesus. And out of the overflow of that will come love for one another, will come servant of one another, will come a love for this town. Do you know the only way we can reach this town is by being a people who love Jesus 
and are so for him. And my prayer in this moment and in these days is that we would fall in love with Jesus. And maybe you're here this morning and you've said, I've never even given my life to Jesus. Well, today is a day that you can say, I give my life to Jesus and I put my trust in him for the forgiveness of sin and I'm going to walk into new life with him. My prayer and my encouragement to us and to each of us this morning is let's be obsessed with the giver. Let's be, come on, thank you so much. Let's be obsessed with God and who he is and what he has done for us and not, and not just in the gifts that he has given us, which is for the building up of the church and which brings glory to God. So we're going to go right through uh, 1 Corinthians 12. Uh, it's going to come up on the screen. Um, I'm reading from the NIV. Um, and we're just going to go through, we're not going to go through verse by verse. We're going to pick up the key things that the Apostle Paul has to say about spiritual gifts. So he says here, writing in chapter 12, verse 1, Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. So right here we understand Paul's reason for writing. He wants the church to understand. He wants the church to be informed. He wants the church to have knowledge about what spiritual gifts are, and how they operate. Verse 2 then says, You know that you were pagans somehow or other. You were influenced and led astray to mute idols. You see, so easily we're led astray. Yeah. And the Corinthian church had been, had been led astray. They were falling out and dividing over so many issues. You read the book of 1 Corinthians, and Paul is addressing issue after issue. And he's saying, don't fall out about these things. Now, how can it be that the very gifts that God has given us can cause division? How can it be that sometimes God gives good things for the building up of the church, yet it causes issues and, fri- and friction within the church? And the reason is this, is because when the focus becomes about me and not about him or serving others, spiritual gifts tend to get a little bit um, used in the wrong way, in the wrong context. And so Paul is saying, I don't want you to be uninformed. I want you to understand how spiritual gifts are given and why they are given, so that you're not led astray. And you see, the reality is we... We tend towards one of two ends of a spectrum. We tend to, one end of the spectrum is that we can over-inflate our own role to play in the kingdom of God. We can think of our gifts as superior or better. We can think of our role as, as having somehow more value or more worth. This was really the problem in, in Corinth. They were boasting about their gifts. They were boasting about what they had to offer. And, and, and one end of the spectrum, we can, we can boast about what it is that we have to bring. But then the other end of the spectrum, if we're not careful, is we utterly devalue our role to play in the church and in the kingdom of God. We start to think, I have nothing to bring. I have nothing to offer. Somehow the gift that God has given me is worth less than the gift that he's given somebody else. Do you know, when we so easily value gifts differently, we might say, I'd much rather be an evangelist than have the gift of helping. But God never says one is better than the other. He says all gifts are needed for the building up of the church. And, it, and it, the reality is you'll be somewhere on a spectrum today between having the danger to overinflate your role in the kingdom or devalue your place. And both of these issues, both of these kind of views, wherever you're at in the spectrum right now, my prayer is that, is that actually God will speak to you and you'll absorb truth this morning. Because if you're at this end of the, of the spectrum, you think I've got nothing to bring to the table this passage has good news for you. Yeah. Because it says that God's given you gifts and you have a role to play. And if you're at this end of the spectrum and you tend to overinflate, there's good news in this passage because what it says is that God is the giver of gifts. Yeah. And he's the one who distributes them for the good of others and not for the good of ourselves. 
And the reality is both of these positions that we have, whether we're at this end or this end, are problematic because they become about me and not about him and not about others. See, spiritual gifts go wrong when they become about me and not about him and you and us and one another. That's when spiritual gifts go awry in the life of a church. Verse 3, Therefore, I want you to know that no one is speaking by the Spirit of God, says Jesus be cursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. If you are here this morning and you can say Jesus is Lord, you've received the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit dwells in you. The person of God dwells in you. He lives in you. Verse 4 to 6, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Verse 4 tells us that it's God that distributes gifts. He is the distributor of gifts. Therefore, we can't boast in what we have. We cannot boast in what we have been given because he is the one who distributes. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit distributes them. It is a gift from you. You cannot buy it. You cannot earn it. It is not a prize for somehow being superior or clever or super anointed or super holy. It is a gift of God that has been given to each one of us in the church for the good, for his glory and for the upbuilding of others. You need to understand that this morning. Whether you have a gift or not, it's not how somehow a merit of how spiritual you are, but it's a gift of God that has been distributed by him to you. Not based on somehow your performance. And because of that, it means we mustn't underplay our role. It means we mustn't say, I've got nothing to bring to the table, because God says, I distribute gifts to everyone in the church. I mustn't devalue the role that I have to play, because God has distributed gifts for the good of the church. Because we believe that God is a good father. We believe that he knows us. We believe that he's chosen us. And therefore, if we, if we doubt his distribution of gifts, we say, well, I don't like the gift he's given me. Actually, we're calling into that question his goodness as a father. That he's a good father and he knows what you need and he knows what the church needs. And therefore, as he distributes gifts, he knows what he's doing. So then verse 7 goes on to say, now to each one... The manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. You see here, now to each one. 1 Peter 4, verse 10 says this, each has received a gift. Romans 12, talking about spiritual gifts, says this, having gifts given to us. There are no exceptions. There are no mistakes. There is no product recall in this area. There is no factory error where, oh yeah, you know when you get a, you know, I was thinking about this, you know when, when um, you ever eat a Kit Kat where it's completely chocolate and no, no biscuit in the middle, it's like you get them every kind of once every blue moon, I might only have one in my life. It's not like somehow, but that's it, it's a factory error, isn't it? Something's gone wrong in the process. God has not gone wrong in the process and gone, yes, gift, 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 oh no, I've missed that person out, missed that one out, missed that one out. No, it's no, it's no error. There's no factory error going on in the, as God has made you and distributed gifts to you to each one to each one so if you're sat here this morning you say i don't know what i have to play the truth of the bible is you have a role because to each one is given a gift to each one 
And if you doubt that, what we need to do is pray for you this morning that you would have an encounter of truth, because the truth will set you free, it says in the the Bible. The truth is that to each one has been given a gift. You have a gift. You have a gift. You have gifts. You have been given gifts. I have a gift. And that's okay to say. Sometimes we can be very shy and say, I have something to bring to the table. Actually, God says, I've given you something. To each one is given. Why are they given? For the common good. They're given for the common good. Which means to profit or to benefit others. Spiritual gifts are given to serve others and to strengthen others. 1 Peter 4.10 says this, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. We live in a world and a society where we, are, we try to get our needs met primarily. My satisfaction, my needs... But God says, gifts have been given in the church for the service of others. So any gift that I have been given is intended to serve others. Any gift that you have been given is intended to serve other people. Gifts are there for the common good, to serve one another. And serving means you put others' needs as above your own. Man, is that challenging. Hey, is that challenging that you go, I'm going to put your needs above my own needs over And over and over again. That is such a hard place to be. That is why we need the empowerment of the person of the Holy Spirit. Because he, in us, causes us to live a different way. And causes us to to say no to our selfish desires. And yes, to selflessly laying ourselves down to serve other people. What's our motivation for serving? Jesus Christ. Because if he didn't serve us, we would not be here today. We would be spiritually dead and in our sin. So our motivation for serving isn't to somehow please him, it's because of him. It's because he first served us that we therefore serve others out of the overflow of that. And spiritual gifts, they also strengthen others as well. Paul writes to the church in Rome, he says, I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. Or another way of interpreting that is, or may use my gifts to strengthen you. There's that sense of Paul's heart is, he knows whatever gift he has been given by God is there to bring strength to others, to encourage them in faith, to bring life to them, to, 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 to stand alongside them in the storms of life. So when we're using spiritual gifts, this has to be our primary question. Am I doing this to serve and strengthen others? Is that my motivation? To serve and to strengthen others. I just want to also just pick up on something that um, is also written in 1 Peter 4.11, which says this. Um, I just want to read this because I think it's such a helpful um, way of understanding gifts as well. It's like a nice addition to, to Paul. 1 Peter 4 says this. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, listen to this, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So Peter's here saying, here's some gifts, use them so that God is glorified. The chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. So therefore, when we're using gifts, we're actually doing it to bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. So it's to bring glory to him and it's to serve and strengthen one another. 
Then we get into verse 8 um, uh, onwards. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. Here Paul is listing uh, a number of spiritual gifts. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing that by one Spirit... Um, by that one spirit, to another miraculous power, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another, the interpretation of tongues. I just want to say, this is not a comprehensive list of spiritual gifts. This is, this is a kind of a, it's a sample that Paul is saying here. You need to go to Romans 12, you need to go to the end of 1 Corinthians 12 as well, we need to look into 1 Peter to start to get a flavour of where the Bible talks about the whole package of gifts. Maybe this is one for you to talk about in your small groups this week, to go through and to look at the spiritual gifts that the Bible talks about and to say, hey, look, what is it? What what does the Bible actually mean when it talks about some of these? Or you can go back to some of the preachers that we did um, in uh, December, talking about gifts of faith and gifts of prophecy and things like that. Then we get into verse 11. All of these are the work of one and the same spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines, as we talked about earlier. And here we go. This is where we've been over the last few weeks. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptised by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jew or Gentile, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. This is what we've been talking about, the fact that we belong together as a family. That we're one body, but that we are many, each with a role to play. But we're a family, we're a community. We, we exist to honour one another and to serve one another and to, and to encourage one another and to strengthen one another. Then verse 21, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honourable, we treat with special honour. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honour to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honoured... Every part rejoices with it. Can you just turn to the person next to you and say this? We need each other. And say it with meaning. It's a true statement. We need one another. We were made for family, we were made for community, we were made to one know God and then to be a family together. We need each other. We are so different, we are from very different backgrounds, very different walks of life, but we need one another to bring strength and to serve each other. And just on the subject of this family, I just want to update you as well about Colin and Emma. Um, For those of you who are new to Gateway, um, 
uh, his Gateway family in the past few months, you may not be aware that Colin, who's uh, the lead pastor, the lead elder of Gateway, has been taking a, a break from his Gateway responsibilities over the past few months, really to serve uh, his family and the particular kind of unique challenges that they face um, as a family. That three months is coming to uh, an end, um, and um, Colin is back. Um, as of this week, he's in the West site today, and we're hoping that he's going to be over with us in the next couple of weeks as well at some point. But the plan is that he's going to be gradually re-entering into the public life of Gateway, taking time over this next four weeks to catch up with us as elders, find out what God's been doing, um, seeking, the direct- seeking what's next and where he feels like God is speaking to him about. So that's the, pl- that's the plan really for Colin as he re-enters into public life um, at Gateway. But the reality is that the pressures that they live with as a family have not really changed. Um, And right now, we don't particularly see that Emma will be involved in the public life of Gateway, particularly in the coming weeks um, and months. We'll update you as we we know more, as as we want to share and just be on a journey together. But as Colin returns, um, we don't expect to see Emma around that much because the family situation, the family dynamics haven't really shifted in the last few months. So please, can we just continue to pray for them? Um, please do give them some space as they just readjust into the life of Gateway. Um, but mostly of all, we can pray that God's blessing would be upon them, that God would bring life into their circumstance, that God would just honour them, and actually we get to honour them um, as well. So, verse 28. Sorry, verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. God has placed in the church, here we go again, Paul starts talking about gifts again. First of all, apostles, second, prophets, third, teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Then he goes on in verse 29, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers? I think the answer to this question is supposed to be obvious, no. Do all work miracles? No. Do all have gifts of healing? No. Do all speak in tongues? No, is what Paul is saying. Do all interpret? The point that Paul is saying here is not everybody has all of these gifts. Matthew 28, for example, tells us that we are all called to be a part of the Great Commission. But Ephesians 4 tells us that there's a gift of an evangelist. Therefore, think of a Billy Graham... He sees thousands and thousands of people saved because God has given him a gift of evangelism, yet we're all called to be witnesses. We can all pray for people to be healed, but there is a gift of healing, and some people, when they pray for healing, will see more healing take place than other people. And we shouldn't be surprised by that, based on what Paul writes about in verse 29. We shouldn't be surprised when some have a greater measure of a gift than we, than we do. We shouldn't be jealous of that. Oh, they've got a stronger gift of healing than I have. Or they've got a stronger evangelistic gifting than I have. It's because it's not a reward for good behaviour. It's not a reward for good theology. It's not a merit based on what you have done. But so that God is glorified and the church is strengthened. We need to accept this and not be jealous. There are some in this room who will be better, more gifted teachers than me. There will be some in this room who have a better gift of evangelism than me. There will be some in this room who will pray for healing and see it happen in the way that I have not yet seen to date. Do I eagerly desire them? Yes, of course I do. Of course I long to grow in gifting. Of course I long to grow. But I, I also I'm not going to be, don't want to be jealous if there's somebody who sees people get healed. I don't want to go, that's not fair. Why have they got a greater measure of healing gift than me? 
No, God is glorified and the church strengthened. The church is upheld. Actually, the reality is when we see somebody who has more gifting in a certain area, that's one, go and journey with them so that you can learn from them. But secondly, it's not a reward. It's not a competition. It's not like the school playground, my dad's better than your dad type scenario. That's not the way it works. And we're not to be surprised, not to be jealous, not to go, I wish I had that measure. It's okay to eagerly desire the gift, as we'll look about in the next moment. So verse verse 31 says this, now eagerly desire the greater gifts. Paul tells us here, and he tells us in 1 Corinthians 14, to eagerly desire gifts. Here, he says eagerly desire the greater gifts. In 1 Corinthians 14, he says eagerly desire prophecy. Why does Paul tell us to eagerly desire greater gifts? Is it because some are better? No. Do some seem to bring greater strength to the body than others? Yes. Let's think about the gift of prophecy. If prophecy is speaking to people on behalf of God, there's something about that that particularly strengthens and brings life to the body. That's why in 1 Corinthians 14, Paul says, eagerly desire the gifts, especially prophesy. His heart is that all can prophesy. Because it has a particular effect at strengthening the body and bringing life to people. I'm getting to say, I'm calling out the gold in you. I'm speaking truth over you. I'm speaking wisdom into your situation. There's something about that gift that Paul recognises brings strength to the body. It's not that it has somehow a superior gift to other things. It's not better than, but actually it brings particular strength into the life of the church. But I think the main point here is this. Eagerly desire, run after, be zealous for the things of God and for the gifts that he wants to give. Don't do it because you're annoyed at what he's given you. I wish I had that, so I better eagerly desire a gift. But God has made you how he's made you for purpose. Amen. And off the back of that, eagerly desire the gifts. If you find yourself eagerly desiring gifts because you're cross at God, that's not the right, that's not the right heart. God says, be grateful with what you've been given. Yeah. And out of the overflow of that, eagerly desire the gifts. Especially the greater gifts, especially the prophetic, especially other things like that. But so what? What do we do now? If we know this, if we know spiritual gifts are given to you by God to glorify him, to serve and strengthen others, and to flourish as a family, you have a role to play. Your gifts will differ, but you are dependent on each other. And if you long for gifts, ask. That's in a nutshell what Paul is saying in 1 Corinthians 12. But so what? How do we know what our gifts are and how can we activate them And what do we do next? Just before we get onto that, I just want to hold up two warning signs, which uh, Tim Keller is so helpful in helping me think through this. The first one is this, when we're thinking about gifts, character trumps gifting. God cares more about our inward spiritual life than about our gifts in that way. He wants us to grow in fruits of the Holy Spirit, our inward life, our journey with God, loving him, pursuing him, is most important to God. As I said earlier, following him. Tim Keller puts it like this, gifts without character development is like a tyre without air. It's going to collapse. And we're to be more concerned with our inner development and our love for God and of falling in love with him and of growing in Christ-likeness. But we are drawn, aren't we, to the gifts. We're drawn to the... The Bible calls the gifts charisma. And actually, we're drawn to the charismatic. We're drawn to the gifts. And God says... I'm looking for those who are humble and will serve me 
and look at those who love me. So firstly, we need to be aware of character over gifting. And secondly, be very aware of gift avoidance. I don't have this gift, so I shouldn't do that. I don't have the gift of helping, so I better not help anybody. I don't think the Bible works like that, does it? I don't, personally, I don't feel like I've been given the gift of evangelism. I find it very, very difficult. Does that mean I go, I'm not called to evangelise? That would be a cop-out, right? That would be an absolute cop-out of Matthew 28, which says, now therefore go and make disciples of all nations. So I don't want to be one of gift avoidance. I don't want to be a, I don't have a gift of administration, so I won't even bother trying. Come on, let's, let's not be like that. I don't think we are like that as a family, but let's not be like that. Let's not be the one who are trying to avoid going, I better leave that to someone else because that's their gifting. Equally, if you see someone, if you haven't got the gift of healing, but you see somebody who needs healing, lay a hand on them, pray for them. Yes, draw in others as well. Okay, so how do we identify gifts? Four ways, I think, here, just want to land on really. One, recognise that you have been given gifts. This is an identity issue. You need to understand that God has given you a role to play. Secondly, seek God. Seek after him, first and foremost. Not because you might get some gifts, but because he is so worthy of being pursued and followed. Thirdly, ask others that you trust. It's more often the case that other people will see things in you that you don't see in yourself. Other people will see the gold in you that you will never see in yourself. And therefore, go up to someone you trust and say, hey, what do you see in me? How do you see gifts in me? And they might go, I see you, you're such an encourager. You bring so much wisdom. Do I really? Is that true? Yes, you bring so much wisdom to this situation. Oh, maybe God's given me a gift of wisdom. Let's, let's, Let's examine that together. And the fourth one is this, which might sound a bit random, but build in the gaps. Build where there are opportunities. When we see an opportunity that may not be exactly aligned to the thing of our spiritual gifts, run there and see how God uses you. Because one, that's true service. And two, you might find that God gives you gifts that you never even realised you had. Let me give you an example of that. When we first came to the church, uh, we were asked to, uh, to lead the youth work. Um, and uh, we just got married. And leading youth work was the last thing on our minds. You know how some people say, I'm passionate about teenagers. I'm like, that wasn't us. Anybody that's got teenagers in the room are probably thinking, that's not us either. <laughs> and we were asked, and we prayed about it, and we, and we said, okay, God, we'll, we'll go for it. We'll see what happens. And honestly, those five years of investing in um, our teenagers was an absolute privilege. Hard work, but an absolute privilege. And do you know what we learned through that? We learned to, to exercise gifts of teaching and gifts of pastoring, and gifts of administration, and other things like that, and gifts of caring for people in a way that we never had, had we not kind of gone, right, we're going to go after this area, because there's a gap, there's a need in the church, and right now, if you see a need in the church, go there, build in the gaps, and see how God uses you, and things like that. So one more thing before we respond, so can I just invite the band to come up, if that's okay? Um, Don't have a narrow view of how your gifts might be activated and used. If you have a gift of teaching, that doesn't necessarily mean you have to stand here. Gather some people in your home and teach them the Bible. Teach our children the story of Jesus. Disciple somebody who is new to faith. Go alongside somebody who's struggling and say, hey, let me show you how God walks with you in the storm. 
You see how the gift of teaching can operate in a whole plethora of different ways. It's the same with the prophetic gifts. It operates on a Sunday morning, but it also operates as we're one anothering. You may feel like God speaks to you. You pick up the phone and say, I feel God speaking to me about you. Is this accurate? You may be in the street and God, let, God speaks to you about a certain person. You say, hey, I know Jesus and he's just told me this about you. Is that true? The gift of prophecy and all these gifts, they're not narrow. They don't operate on a Sunday morning for 90 minutes. They operate wherever we go, in whatever context we find ourselves. So we're going to just go back into one song of worship. And I really want to do, I want to invite three groups of people to respond today. And they're all beginning with D, so it makes it very easy to remember, hopefully. The first is this, to discover. Some of you genuinely don't know what your gifts are. Maybe you're new to faith. Maybe you've never even heard of spiritual gifts before today. And God says, I want you to discover today how I've gifted you. So if that's you, what I'd encourage you to do as we sing a song is to go to somebody that you know and just say to them, I want to discover what God has for me and the gifts he has given me today. And if you're new here and you don't know many people, please come to the front. I know it's a big thing, but we'd love to pray for you as well. There'd be people to pray for you at the front. The second group of people is this. Your gifts are dormant, i.e. not being used at the moment. And I really felt like God said there were two reasons for this. One is unprocessed disappointment. You stepped out and it didn't work out and you're disappointed. And if that's you this morning, you just need to go to God and say, God, I'm disappointed. And he says, I know you are. And just need to process that with him. If you have unprocessed disappointment, you just need to go to your father. He loves you and he's for you. And it's okay to go to God and say, God, in this situation, I thought you were going to come good and you didn't. It didn't seem like you did. I feel hurt by that. I feel disappointed. You know, some people who carry, in history, have carried some of the greatest healing ministries have lived with chronic sickness. And it's led to much massive disappointment. Think of Smith Wigglesworth, whose daughter, I think it was, had chronic illness. And yet he went around the world seeing miraculous healings of people raised from the dead. It's a process, that disappointment. Well, secondly, the reason why your gifts might be dormant is this. You've grown lethargic. You can't be bothered. If that's your case, you need to confess and repent. I mean that with all seriousness, with grace and with love. You need to get on your knees before God and say, I confess, Jesus. I've let the things you've given me go dormant. I put them in my pocket. You need to confess and repent. And God says he's faithful and just to forgive. It's not a heavy thing. Confession is, is it's not meant to be some super spiritual heavy activity. It's supposed to be a normal part of our journey with Jesus. We say, I know I've fallen short in this area. Would you come and help me? And the third one is this. Doubt. Some of you here doubt you've been given anything to bring to the party. Or you've devalued what God has given you. And this morning you need to be empowered by the Holy Spirit and understand the truth and be set free. Freedom is going to come this morning for you. If you have doubted, if you live with doubt, I've really got nothing to bring to the party, this morning God says, I want you to understand the truth and the truth is going to set you free today. I can't respond for you. I feel this morning you need to do something. If God provokes something in your heart this morning about discovering, about dormant, or about doubt, you need to do something. I don't, whatever that is, it's up to you. Stand before God. Sit there quietly. Get on your knees. Go and find someone. Come to the front. Whatever it is. Run out the building if you need to. It's fine. 
you need to respond to God personally. We're just going to sing a song of worship. We're a bit over. Um, I'll be in trouble with the kids' workers. But I just want us to respond this morning. God wants to activate this morning. He's in the business of activating. So if you'd like to, can we just stand? And I just want to encourage you, as these guys lead us in a song of worship, to just respond in whatever way you feel God is speaking to you about. Discover, dormant, doubt. God wants to address those today. He wants to bring life to this body. He wants to activate gifts in a whole new way.